The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is Writing Excuses, Season 6, Episode 8. What does an agent really do with Agent Sarah Crow? Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. Uh, Sarah joined us a couple of episodes ago to talk about query letters, and she's back to talk about what it is an agent does and why you probably need one. Um, Dan, what does, what does Sarah do for you? Man, everything. <laughs> uh, what does Sarah do for me? She does all the stuff that I don't want to do so that I can write while she does all the business stuff. Uh, she negotiates contracts for me. She seeks out new contracts, particularly with foreign rights and movie rights and things like that that I don't have the first clue of how to start. Uh, she talks to editors. She knows the market better than I do. When I have a new idea and say, hey, I have this great idea. What do you think? She'll either say, that's cool, or are you serious? Uh, and then she'll know where to send it. She'll say, yes, I think that would work, and I know exactly which editors would be most likely to read it. Uh, she does all kinds of wonderful things. <laughs> well, now you've given us the pitch. Well, Sarah still needs to tell us some stuff. So well, when you call an editor, what do you do? How, what, how does this work? I have no clue. Well, let's not start at calling an editor. Let's start at right at the very okay. beginning of your relationship with an author. What is your job as an agent? What do you do? Well, let's see. So I, if I, I find a book that I love, I first work with the author on it, sometimes doing some revisions, um, usually doing a little, at, least, at least one revision. And um, you know, a lot of that, I think the benefit of agent revisions, which are really different than any other type of revision. I'm not an editor, but I'm somebody who has you know, submitted who knows how many books at this point to editors and seen editor feedback you know, seen so much editor feedback on so many projects that I do think that agents are able to think ahead to, you know, what an editor is going to see in a manuscript, what's going to be, you know, what might be sort of a hole for them that we might be able to fix before we show it to them. And, and I can corroborate that. When I, I've got a book coming out next year called The Hollow City. I sent that to Sarah, and she said, this is good, but we need to fix it up. And she gave me some pointers, and I went through, and I sent it back, and she said, okay, this is good, this is better, I can send it to these people, but if you make it better, I can send it to more people. Because she knew who would be inclined to like it at that stage of its development. And so we refined it a little more and, and then that widened the audience among editors that she was familiar with. Definitely. Um, and then what do I do? And then I really you know, think about what editors, what editors there are for it. So that's, I make a submission list, which is based on 
lunches with editors and research of you know looking at publishers marketplace a lot seeing what they're buying knowing from my own agency and other what, what other agents are selling these editors um, you know putting together a great targeted list of editors that will love this book as much as I do and for me as soon as I read a submission I if I love it it usually means that I already have two or three editors that pop into my head that will also love it. And if I don't, if I can't think of five editors, then I probably am not. I, I know that even if I like it, I can't sell it. So, you know, that's an important <laughs> distinction too. So, um, now, now I, I've got a story to tell there too. Um, I've got a book, famously known among listeners of the podcast as the Vampire Bunny book. It's uh, <laughs> called The Night of Blacker Darkness. It's very weird, and one of the reasons that Sarah's such a great agent and such a great fit for me is that she liked it as much as I did. And she came up with a list of, you know, these are the editors I think will like this book. So we sent it out to them, and each of them came back and said, I like this book, and everyone else at my publisher thought I was crazy, which means that she knew those editors really well, and she found them all. We, you know, haven't been able to, we, well, we actually have sold that now in Germany, but the point is, she knew exactly which editors that would appeal to, and found them very easily. Yeah, and it gets, you know, it certainly gets easier in time. Um, you know, I've been, I've had my own list now for more than six years, and before that I was assisting Ellen Levine, and before that Andrew Wiley, so, you know, it takes, it takes a long time to build these relationships, and I think, um, you know, even being online now, so many agents are on, I mean, editors are on Twitter now, which is helpful too. Sometimes you'll find out this small tidbit of information, and. Okay, something so, they're looking for. So, so you come up with the list of editors. Mm -hmm. What happens then? I submit it. Um, and I talk to them, but I also have prepared a written pitch, much mm -hmm. like your pitch. And often I use the, if the author's pitch was great, I use that. But there's, it's a little, mine, mine is probably a little different, and, and is, I am able to be a bit more of a salesman. And, Oh, you can fine-tune it. You can fine-tune it for that editor if you know that exactly. That editor I fine-tune it for the editor, and, and, and I'm able to say things about the author that it might particularly appeal to that editor, um, and and maybe it's some book that that editor edited that I think that this that that's the reason I picked her, and I try to make that clear. Um, and so then we send it out, and then we wait, and um, then comes you know hopefully negotiation. So depending on how many offers we have, and I have to confess. Um, in listening to what you do, I mean, I have, I've spent the last four, maybe five years going to science fiction conventions, going to, uh, you know, going to these sorts of events and meeting people, and I can't imagine knowing that many editors personally. You've spent, what, ten years just building this list, building these relationships, so that when you've got a manuscript, mm -hmm. um, you either know where it is going to sell, or that you just don't want to represent it. That's kind of yeah. Amazing. And I mean, I certainly make you know have made some, have taken on things that I wasn't able to sell. But that's the other thing. I mean, I think I, I I really don't give up, and I've had things that I've sold after a year, and you know, and some things where I took on an author for a project and we didn't sell it, and then we sold their next project, and then we went back. So. Um, you know, I have a pretty good track record that way, but I certainly have taken on things that I just love and even knowingly, knowing how hard they're going to be to sell. Vampire bunnies. <laughs> well, you know, I was yes. already working with them, but I probably would have taken that on just if he had just sent it to me. Okay, yeah. so let me, let me ask, I'm, I'm going to ask two questions here. Uh, Dan, uh, before you, uh, uh, before you were 
what, what's the relation? Have, what, what happens? Before, what do you call that? Before you I signed mean, with Sarah? I guess so. Yeah. Before yes. you signed with Sarah. There, mm -hmm. there we go. That's the word I was looking for. Sorry, the parser is offline. Um, what did, or how did you feel when an editor that you sent to rejected you? I, it broke my tender heart, Howard. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard every time. And you just think, well, dang it, now I have to do this again. I'm curious. Actually, I think that's, that I'm that's usually what happened was it, it didn't necessarily represent to me nobody likes me. It represented, oh, crap, I have to do all this work again. Yeah. Okay, now, Sarah, when you send out a manuscript and editors say they don't want it, you probably get rejections a lot on the of stuff. Of course, that you I mean, because out. everything that I've sold has been rejected too. So, <laughs> you know, I have rejection letters and I keep, you know, I usually keep them in this, the author's folder. Say that again. Everything you've sold has also been rejected. Yeah, of course. I don't think there's any, even things that I've sold at auctions with five publishers, there were four publishers who said, no, thank you. You know, so. Okay, so as somebody, I have yet to submit a manuscript to anybody. Um, but as somebody who is considering someday doing this, I'm thinking, do I want to do this myself? Do I want to keep the agent's percentage away? Or do I want to let somebody like Sarah filter from me all of the pain and mm -hmm. anguish of having to go back to these editors. I yeah, can't some, imagine. Some of my authors don't want to see the notes, but most of them want to. And I do think, and I don't know if this is true, but I think that the rejection letters that I get from editors probably have a little bit more information than the letters that editors send directly to authors. Yeah. So I think that oh, I definitely. do, I'm able to get more feedback from my writers than they would get if they were just sending in to the slush pile. So, so I'm thinking in terms of just workflow for a writer. Um, if a writer submits to an editor and gets a rejection letter, the writer then has to get back on the submission yeah. course. Well, and yeah, well, uh, yeah, the, the Blacker Darkness, that book is a great example of this because that was the one I was trying to sell forever. Yeah, and, and I'm, I gonna, and I'm still trying to, I'm gonna still try to sell it while so he's doing weird. other things. You uh, know, but, I mean. but <laughs> you know, once I, I sold Serial Killer, put Blacker Darkness in a, in a drawer somewhere and forgot about it, and then years later I started to think, you know, I think that book is pretty good. I, let's try to sell it again. And instead of having to go out and do all that work, I just sent it to Sarah and said, you handle this for me. And then, you know, a month later, she wrote back and said, well, nobody wants it. And I go, okay. <laughs> and it, I didn't have any of that emotional Yeah, and now we're going to try again because it was sold in Germany. That is very, very attractive to me. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Before we leave the submission process, there's one point I want to make here. Uh, We're talking about uh, Sarah submitting to many editors at a time. I, as an author, cannot do that. And I never could. It was one at a time, and they'd reject, and they'd send it back. Uh, that's one of the, I think, big benefits of an agent, is that they can send it out to 10 people at once. And then if more than one of them want it, then they can fight <laughs> in a nice way. They, it goes to auction is, is what that is. And that's what happened uh, with us in Germany, which, may, which helped a lot. So anyway, uh, submission process, we talked about that. An editor says, yes, I like this. Then what happens? It's, it's the scenario, it plays out differently with every situation. And it's weird. <laughs> but, you know, they, if I have one publisher who loves it, I'll just take my most recent thing where I sent out a book and um, I just really liked it. One editor, it was a, it's, it's, it's a um, realistic contemporary YA and all the, I got really great response right away because I think people were excited that it wasn't sad. Anyway, one editor read it in a night she called me the next day, said, I love it, and I'm taking it to a meeting next week. And that's great and not great because I knew it would give none of the other editors that had it any chance to read it and wouldn't really let me know where everybody was. So anyway, she did offer the next week, and I had to tell all the other editors. But at the same time, the things that this editor said about the book, the reasons she wanted it, really you know, it made the author and I completely secure and feeling like this was the right editor for the book. So then we asked her for a preempt to take it off the table and we did that. So other than the other thing we could have done is give the other editors like two weeks and try to have an auction, but you know, sometimes. So that's what a preempt is. Otherwise, maybe if there had been a longer period of time, she loved it, two other editors loved it. If I have three editors who are going to make an offer or more, then I set up an auction date, a closing mm-hmm. date for when they're going to have to give me their offer and then we have an auction. Now, now describe to us an auction because having gone through the process uh, with the German publishers, that was like my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> so, so what exactly is an auction and, and, and uh, how does that work? They, they, so, um, I send out auction rules. Once I know who all the players are going to be in the auction, I send out an email of auction rules that by 11 a.m. on Thursday, they need to send me their offer, which will invo- you know, which should include territory, royalties, any other things they want to say to the author. And, and I think that's a really nice advantage to an auction that authors love, is that the editors write these, you know, they usually fax, or they don't fax anymore, they mostly email. Um, you know, sort of, they actually get 
to hear the editor, the editor actually writes down what they love about the book and what their plans are for it, which you don't always, you don't usually get to know up front I when you're making I can see how that process would be something Dan especially would love. Yes. <laughs> well, it appealed to my arrogance greatly. <laughs> so, you know, and then we get those first offers, and then I call it, it's, um, you can make different rules. Our agency, I usually call the, I call the lowest bidder first each round. So everyone gives me their first offers, then whoever's the low bidder, I call them first. I tell them what the high bid is. They can either top it or they can drop out. And then we just keep going like that in rounds until we're at final offers. We always state ahead that the author doesn't have to take the highest offer. So, and, and a few of my, and I, I think almost all, I don't, haven't had that many auctions where the highest offer won. I mean, they were pretty close, but you know, sometimes, you know, you, you want, you want the right editor for the book. So sometimes that's mm -hmm. not the person who could get the most money together. I'm sorry. And this thing that you've uh, described, this, this auction process, that apparently is something that an author just can't do themselves. Not at all. They, editors I don't will, know. I editors like, will not take an author seriously. I don't know. I think that they, I, I think there must be an example of an author having done it, and I think there is, but I just don't, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of rules about auctions and a lot of, you know, obviously, you know, there's just a lot of sort of, there's a whole honor system with it of not saying the right. So I think you want, I think the, there's a lot of money usually in auctions and I think the publishers will be more comfortable just knowing that, knowing, that knowing the agency. Agent. Yeah. Um, so. Well, and the editors that you're dealing with when there's an auction all have this relationship with you. They've, many of them may have been in an auction with you before, hmm. wouldn't they? Yeah. Okay, no, whereas an author, that's never the case. Yeah, but auctions are not that often. I mean, everybody, of course, it's, it's the dream, but it's not often the case. And, it, and because not going to auction doesn't mean, I mean, I tend to be very fond of trying to, you know, when, when there's two people real, who really love it, but the author really loves one of them more, then I'm, I'm of the, you know, I usually like to try to make the best deal with that editor. Um, because you can't really have an auction with two editors anyway, but um, it's sort of boring. You have to, one of the you rules- You could have that, a cage match. Yeah, one of the rules is that everybody gets to know how many people are in. You have to always be, so they, when they know that there's two, they tend to just keep matching each other, and then <laughs> you get stuck. Oh, okay, so we don't have much time left, but okay. I do want to talk. Um, the, the other major thing, I think, in this process, after you know an offer has been made and accepted, then there's all kinds of contract negotiations mm -hmm. that go on. And that is where, you know, another case where I found you to be incredibly useful because I know absolutely nothing about legalese, about contracts, about mm -hmm. all of that stuff. So tell us just a little bit in like one minute about that process. Okay, every agency, you know, negotiates boilerplates with the big publishers. So for instance, Harper, who both Dan and Rob are working with, Harvey's been around for about 30 years, so more than 30 years now, so he has, over those years fought with her, you know, we've, we've gotten to a point where we, and, we have, and it changes all the time. It's changed, we've been fighting now about ebook royalties. Um, fighting might not be the best word to use, but <laughs> going back and forth in a gentlemanly manner about ebook royalties. So, um, but those are the sort of things so that when I make a new deal with Harper, I have this boilerplate to work from. And yes, there'll be some changes for each deal mm -hmm. in terms of royalties and other things, but I know that you know over the years that we've negotiated a great contract with them. Um, and so that's one of the things. So uh, like with uh, Hollow City that we have just recently finished the contract for, um, there, there were you know, all of the different rights, you know, audiobook rights, ebook rights, 
world English rights, foreign rights, all these different things. And the publisher, for the most part, wants to keep them because then they can make money off of them. And the author, in most cases, wants to keep them because they can make money off of them. And the agent's job is to basically fight for the author to get to be able to retain as much as possible without contracts are losing changing. the Contracts editor. are changing all the time. In the last year, I think it's more than three of the major publishers have changed their boilerplate. So, you know, there's a lot of things that they're adding to watch out for. They're all trying to sneak in graphic novel rights, for instance, and things mm -hmm. like that, that, um, you know, that for certain authors, you know, you shouldn't give up. So, yeah. um, that kind of thing that we're... And, and that's, that, like you say, that changes all the time. Five years ago, even, audiobook rights were not a big deal. Mm. And now they're huge mm. because they're so cheap to produce now. You can do your own contract. You just really should do a lot of you research. You just really shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, in some of the, the famous cases, you Neil Gaiman for years did not have an agent. But that's because he'd been in comic books forever representing himself to those publishers. So he had a lot of experience with it. Anyway, we need to, we need to end now. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on. Uh, these, these have been wonderful. And uh, Howard, give us a writing prompt. Okay. Writing prompt. Your agent is actually a warlock using magic to make your book sell. And this has worked in numerous cases for numerous other clients. Unfortunately, something about your book means that this process is going to go horribly, horribly wrong. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.